Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. And welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast Grand Final Edition. I am one of your hosts, Dano. And with me, as always, we have Pato. Welcome, Pato. Thanks, mate. Very excited for this one. We've had a week off last week. We are ready to go to jump into this one to preview a massive game on the weekend. Yeah, if for everyone at home that's listening or in their cars or whatever the fuck you're doing, um, we the quality might not be as good this week just because we've actually, instead of being Pato and myself, we've actually got two guests. And the first one needs no introduction. He's been on once before. Um, he is a mad Demons fan. He is pretty much Napoleon Dynamite's illegitimate love child. I am talking about none other than Sam Reedy. Welcome, Sam. Hey, mate. How are we going? Not too shibby-shabby. And the other one um, is an avid listener who gives us a random freaking questions all the time. Um, like what we're going to do with our freaking tax fucking shit. And I don't know. It's got nothing to do with Supercoach. Anyway, he's a mad Western Bulldogs fan and not the biggest fan of their coach, though. That's Ryan James. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks, boys. Pleasure. No worries. We'll get straight into it, Pato. So... Um, Straight away, injuries. What's going on? What's happening? Yeah, a bit of news here, actually, even though that both teams have had a couple of weeks off. So we'll kick it off with some doggies players. So Cody Whiteman, actually, I think Looms is a huge wild card for the weekend. He should play. He'll be fine. Uh, he's had his week off. He's, he'll have two weeks off before the big game, and he should be fit and rearing to go for the big one on Saturday. Next up, we have Alex Keith. So Mr. Prelim, obviously, with a hamstring injury. He's a test. He'll probably play again after that couple of weeks off. It was only a minor hamstring, but he should be fine to play this weekend. And they're going to need him, I think, to take one of Ben Brown or Tom McDonald or someone like that. So he is a pretty important player, I think, for the doggies. Yeah, we've got Latham Vandermeer as well. He's um, pretty doubtful with that hamstring there, Pato. Yeah, heartbreaking for the young kid. Pretty important for them up forward with that sort of pressure and, and real pacey sort of player. So I doubt he'll get up. They'll give him every chance to get up. But I think Johannesson probably did enough in the prelim to be okay in that role, um, obviously with Waitman coming back as well. So most grand finals have a heartbreak story and Vandermeer looms as that for the doggies, I think, this weekend. Yep, yep. Just as my dog wants to jump up on the fucking keyboard as we're recording, um, another heartbreaking one is actually Nathan Jones. Now, I don't know whether or not he was actually going to get picked in the grand final squad anyway, but he's decided, nah, he's going to go be there for the birth of, was it twins or just one kid? But anyway, still going to the birth of his child or children. Yeah, his wife gave birth last week to twins. So they've already been born, but unfortunately, with quarantine rules, there's no chance he gets back into Perth even to watch the game. So it's a real heartbreaking one, and maybe Sam can shed some light on this one, but even not being a D's fan, you know, just how much Nathan Jones means to Demon fans, and he's been such a huge part of that rebuild, um, so to speak, to this moment. So take nothing away from the D's and Nathan Jones. He has been a huge part of them building up to this, and... If they were to see some success on the weekend, he will have a massive part of it, even though he won't be part of the big day. Sam, got any comment on that one about Nathan Jones? Yeah, that's 100% right. I mean, he's been the shining light through those dark days back back when we were just, you know, we were shit every year, you know. And I was always having high hopes every year that we'd get up to there, to that top of the top of the ladder, get into the finals and have a shot. But we we're always just getting belted and... We had so many delistings and people who wanted to leave the club because we were just we just didn't have a good good formula going. And Nathan Jones was the one that just stayed through it all, thick and thin. He could have left multiple times, but he was the one that held that club together. And to come so close now, he's finally made a grand final, and to not be picked, um, it's yeah, it's really hard to sad to see that, but. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be just as happy to watch Melbourne in the um, in the grand final uh, from home. 
Sorry, just saying, personally speaking, I think there might have been scope to maybe have a cheeky sub appearance for Nathan Jones, but I, I don't think Melbourne will want to take any risks in playing him as a sub after not playing for most of the year after he got dropped. Yeah, yeah. Um, Steve May, though, was the big one out, out of last week, Stevie May. Um, do you reckon he'll play? It looks like that from all reports that his hammy will be fine and that he'll be fit to play, but I'm just, I haven't heard too much else regarding the injury, just that he's at a race against time, but he should get up. Yeah. Speaking of leaving um, Stephen May, it was only a slight hamstring as we I'm sure all remember from that prelim final and he played through it and then eventually got subbed off purely as a precaution. Once it looked like that there was no chance that the Melbourne demons were going to lose that game. So I think he'll play. It probably depends on how he went over the weekend with match simulations. Uh, All accounts are that he got through that just fine. Whether he even played or not, we're not sure. But speaking of match simulation, I actually found out some news after I did this little run sheet. It was Bailey Fritch. Now, D's fans, a little bit of nervousness here. He got caught up in a tackle in a tackling drill yesterday. Now, it was only caught on a reporter's mobile phone, which I know the D's coaches were, were... which really mad that reporters were filming their training session with mobile phones, but he was withdrawn from that because he got twisted in a tackle a full 360 degrees. So he did walk it off, but then he isolated himself with the physios after that tackle. So sorry, Sam and any other D's fans that may not have heard that news, but Bailey Fritch is going to play a big part, I think on the grand final and hopefully he's fine. Ryan, are you feeling moister than an oyster after hearing that potential news? Or Oh, look, the, the one that I'm the most scared about as a Doggies fan is, is Stephen May. Um, I mean, Fritch has a massive impact in the forward line, but um, Stephen May is just all class. Um, and you know, I, I don't want any of the Melbourne players to miss the game, but I think for me, if I had my choice to bring one of their players out, I'd be picking Stephen May every day of the week. Fair, fair assessment there. Pato, we've got one more injury concern uh, with Joel Smith. Yeah, uh, obviously missed that prelim. Hibbard came in and I thought he did a pretty good job uh, against the Cats last week in the prelim, but he's going to get every opportunity to prove his fitness. Now, whether they want to make the switch back to Joel Smith, who had a really good year. So I think if he's fit, he probably comes in and really unlucky for Michael Hibbard. But uh yeah, I thought Hibbard was okay, as I said, but it is a big call for the Ds. Sam, any comment on that one? Who would you rather? Would you rather Smith or Hibbard? Um, well, I think well, it is a hard one, but I think given Hibbard, he's been in final series um, more than Joel Smith, so he had that experience. So I think that's what made him get that uh, advantage over Smith, even though Smith is injured, and he played such a good game. Um it's just hard to sort of change it up after Melbourne's been so consistent with their um, teams for the most of the year and switching it up for a grand final after Joel Smith's been injured for a week or two. I don't know. It seems a bit risky, but I'd, I'd stick with Hibbert if it was uh, up to me, I reckon. Yeah, I think in saying that, I think it's match-up dependent as well. And Joel Smith is a little bit more of a lockdown guy. Now, Hibbard can play a bit of both. Now, he can lock down. He's had some big roles on both uh, Dusty. I remember very clearly absolutely, Hibbard absolutely destroyed Dusty in that game when we played the Ds mm-hmm. and got slapped. And also uh, Stringer, he had a big, big job on Stringer. So it's a big call. But Hibbard, I think, is a little bit more offensive than Joel Smith. And do you really need that extra lockdown defender against the dogs? Or do you need to fight fire with fire and go the other way? So maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later when we preview the actual match itself. But if both are fit, it looms as a very big decision for the Ds and their coaching staff. Yep. Don't mind that call at all there, Pato. Um, we're going to go on to the Brownlow now because the Brownlow just happened. And we, of course, Ollie Wines ended up winning the medal. Uh, equaled Dusty Martin's uh, tally of 36 votes um, back in 2017. So um, that's under the 3-2-1 system in the Brownlow medal. But one thing that I want to raise, and Pato, you're probably going to fucking, you you know that it's coming, is do do we need a separate award 
for defenders because we've got the Coleman medal for the, obviously for the forwards. The Brownlow has now been referred to for as quite some time as the midfielders medal. There's nothing really to for, for these key defenders to strap their stuff besides best and fairest awards. Yeah, I think there's a couple of solutions personally, I think. So the first is, I think the defenders definitely need an award and there's a very obvious thing and just calling it the Danny Frawley Award. But my only issue with that is they want to reward the defenders. But if it is a purely defenders award, it's just going to be dominated by the halfbacks, the Daniel Riches, the Bailey Dales, the Christian Salems, those sort of guys. And it's going to be overshadowed again by those offensive sort of players. And guys like Stephen May, Daniel Talia, those sort of guys will not get the recognition that I think they deserve in that circumstance because those halfbacks, they are still defenders. So there is a little bit of gray area there. I have a different solution, Dano. And that is, I think they should go to a 5-4-3-2-1. Now, it still may get dominated by the midfielders, but it may give more opportunity for even the Ruckman. Max Gorn had a massive year. So did Nick Nat. I think Nick Nat actually had a better year than Max Gorn, but that's another argument for another day. Yep, yep. But they didn't poll well at all. Gorn polled okay, but for the year he had, I think he probably should have polled more considering Melbourne finished top of the ladder. But it's the defender, Stephen May. I mean, was probably the best fullback all year. And I, I'm <laughs> mentioning solely Melbourne players, but they were the dominant team for most of the year obviously won their first eight in a row and finished top of the ladder. And Stephen May, I don't even know how many votes he got, but it wouldn't have been more than sort of five or six. So that is definitely not reflective of the year that Stephen May had. Uh, as Ryan said before, Stephen May is the one that they should be worried about because he is absolute class, as Ryan exactly said. And not only class as a defender, but you don't want the ball in his hands either because he will find a target. And that skill set is so unique. And he got lost a little bit up on the Gold Coast, but... Now that he's playing down in the state of Victoria, everyone's all of a sudden thought, oh, Stephen May, he can play footy. But yeah, we fucking knew that because nobody watches the Suns. But anyway, that's I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent. So going back, it's not like me, is it, Dano? But I think if they went to a 5-4-3-2-1, I think it gives a little bit more scope to reward the best defender of the game of both teams. It rewards maybe the best ruckman if, if one ruck had a really dominant performance. And it still gives scope for those midfielders getting 30 touches. So... Maybe that's a, a consideration for the AFL, but then you've got the issue of not rewarding the 3 2 1. So, obviously, Ollie Wines equaled Dusty's record. That record will obviously shoot through the roof if they go to a 5 4 3 2 1. But the defenders, even the forwards as well, they need a bit of recognition, I think. And I'm, I'm just going to talk on that. The other option, which I'll go to Sam and Ryan about after this, we'll start with Ryan and go to Sam. Um, the Norm Smith medal is judged by a panel. Why don't we, instead of doing 5-4-3-2-1, go to the Norm Smith medal style and each game has a designated panel. They can still do their 3-2-1 or they can do 5-4-3-2-1. They can do a combination of, of the both like they would with the Norm Smith. Because I feel like the Norm Smith is more reflective of who's more influential on the game. Like way back, I think it was, two, was it 2008 when Luke Hodge won the um the norm smith and he he basically won it because he had a fucking golden fist there was about four four key spoils that he did late in the game um that really helped them out stuff like that and he's sheer tackling and whatnot and i think guys like your brisbane Lions starsevich would benefit from a panel because like how many times have you heard a commentary team say oh he's He's a shoe in for all Australian because he basically doesn't let anyone kick anything on him and shit like that. So I'll put it to Ryan first. Do you reckon Pado's version with the 54321 solely would work? Do you reckon just a completely new award like the Danny Frawley Golden Fist? Or do you think maybe a panel should, instead of the umpires, should now do the Brownlow medal? I actually think you can implement two there. So you have the, uh, the the panel voting on the the three two one, um, but you you still implement that uh, that Danny Frawley award as well because again you, even even in the panel the panel could still vote for all of the midfielders because that's where the influence is coming from. So you know just just like you know, think of the the soccer leagues around the world. Yeah, the Premier League has their Golden Glove for the goalkeepers. I, I think that's a I think that's a great idea. Sam, what about yourself? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with um, both those ideas because um, it definitely, uh, I'd say there's a lot of favouritism between the midfield who always seem to get right up top of the Brownlow. Um, I think definitely to spread it out and give the defenders a good chance of getting an award, something like that, all-round defenders, half-backs, uh, that would definitely be a great idea. My only concern with that, guys, is I think so that the media actually used to do uh, the Brownlow votes. And I, I think in today's day and age, whether we all agree with it or not, betting is such a huge part of the AFL market and no pun intended there at all. But not only with games, but but Brownlow Metal, obviously the betting markets make so much money and the AFL do secondhand get money, a lot of money from that as well through sponsorships. So I think it leaves it open to possibly having the winner leaked out. Now, in saying that, through the last four years, obviously not this year, but last year, Lockie Neal was paying $1.15. The year before, um, whoever won the... I can't remember who won the Brownlow, but Dusty, the year before that, um, was a $1.20 favourite as well. So there is that slight scope because the media guys, they're on radio, they're on TV. They're going to be talking... They're going to be pressured into talking about their thoughts on the game and maybe accidentally leak that someone was best on ground and that might be get who, who gets the three votes. So I think there's a little bit of potential for tampering there, but I, I think we shouldn't take it away from the umpires either. That's such a big part of the game. And before they became the voters of the Brownlow, which was only in the eighties, I think um, they didn't really get recognized at all or, or have any sort of impact on anything AFL related. So I think they do need that recognition by having such an important part of the voting. Yep, fair, fair. Um, Sam Walsh, fucking hell. He got polled 30 votes, didn't he? In pretty much an absolutely trash fucking um, Carlton side. With the rumour that Michael Voss is going to be taking over shortly and allegedly... This isn't confirmed. If Vossi is coach, he's looking at trying to get um, Lappin and Scarlett as his assistants. If that happens, I reckon we could actually see Carlton get a snag a few more wins and actually see Walsh go even better than what he did this year. Do you reckon that he could be one of the top three favourites next year, Pato? Oh, he definitely could be. He had a massive year. And it's not really surprising. Oh, I mean, it's surprising maybe that he voted... He got 30 votes when they won just eight games this year, but he has such a big impact in games, whether they win or lose. Now, I remember round one, I was at the game and we beat them pretty comfortably, but Sam Walsh was so good. He got two votes and that was in a loss. And there were plenty plenty of instances where he's getting 30 touches, kicking a couple of goals, and you can't not give him votes for that. So if they can push those wins up to 10 or 11, maybe push for finals, I can't see why, why Walsh can't do really well next year. Now, the other... The other side of that is that he's probably going to get a lot more attention next year because of how good of a year he had. So he has handled tags fairly well so far this year, but that he's going to get even more attention next year. And rightfully so, the, the guy's a fucking gun and he's going to be an absolute star. But he just screams Brownlow medalist to me one day. Now he's still only 21, so he's got so much ahead of him. Next year, is it too early? Who knows? Uh early indication is that the, the umpires love him and we all love him really we all love watching him play and I, I can absolutely see him winning a brown line at some stage in his career whether it's next year I don't think so yeah, I'm going to post something to Ryan now so Jack McRae do you reckon that he was absolutely fucking robbed of votes he only got 14 votes and he averaged what 34 disposals and he broke the AFL record which includes finals of most disposals in each season do you reckon he was robbed because a few times there, I, I had him in the 20 vote range. So I'd like to know your thoughts. Oh, look, you, you can't deny, you can't deny the guy's quality. Um, he, you know, he's a, he's an inside player. He can play outside as well, but what he's got to add to his game is he's got to hit the scoreboard. And I think that's the biggest reason why Bontempelli obviously polled so well um, is that he added 30 goals to his game overall this year. So if you give Jack McRae, 34 touches a game and a goal on average. Uh, I think he goes close for sure. Now, I'm going to interject there because in one of those games, Jack McRae actually had 36 disposals in one goal one and didn't actually poll a vote. Um, so I think I think he's just not a... He doesn't, he doesn't scream basically a flary type of player, but then we'll move on to, let's say, 
I want to get your thoughts on someone like Took Miller, who sticks out like a sore thumb when he plays. You just know when he gets a ball, he's fucking got speed and shit like that. One of his games, it was the Gold Coast versus Sydney game, where Gold Coast won by 40 points. And I think Tookie had, what, 36 disposals or something like that, and maybe a goal there, Pato, or something like that. And he didn't even pull a vote. So, well, Pato, what do you reckon with the Tookie? Do you reckon he was robbed a bit? Yeah, I know your thoughts on Took Miller. We were talking about a lot, obviously, the during before the Brownlow telecast. I called it before the Brownlow. I didn't think he would vote well at all, only because they, they barely won any games, Dano. And it takes a special sort of player, and I'm talking Gary Ablett, to to not only poll. Well, he won one, obviously, and they finished like 14th or something like that. But that's Gary Ablett. That's, that's the GOAT in my eyes. So I, it doesn't surprise me that Took Miller voted so lowly. Uh, with McRae... I actually, I jumped on him from a betting perspective to vote in the most games. I thought he would poll a lot more than 14, but in hindsight, it doesn't surprise me all too much because although he's great and he's had easily his best year of his career and he's improved his impact on games so much, but Bontempelli, I mean, his impact on games is a lot higher. We think Josh Dunkley and Adam Trelaw had a really good first six weeks of the season stealing votes off McRae and then... You've got guys, other guys who are getting plenty of, like Libba. Libba has huge impact on games as well. And it just, I think he's just fallen victim a little bit to being in such a dominant team with so many different impactful guys. And I think he was robbed. I think he, he should have got a lot more than 14 votes, but it also doesn't surprise me heaps because there's two two teams playing in every game and the dogs have so many stars in that team. It's It's easy to sort of fall under the cracks in a sense. Yeah, with the Took Miller thing, though, Sam Walsh didn't play in that many wins either and still polled 30 votes. So, I Sam Walsh is a lot better than Took Miller, I think. Oh, debatable. And that's taking, that's taking nothing away from Took. I think he's had a really good year and he's really good to watch. I think Walsh is better, though. Uh, I think that might be a bit debatable, but I think it's also a thing with the no one watches Suns games and the umpires don't really... I, don't, I honestly reckon that umpires don't rate the Suns um, at Nobody all. Nobody rates the Suns, mate. They're shit. But even so, if you're fucking absolutely dominating like Tookie was, shit. Anyway, um, next year's favourites. Um, what are they, Pado, for the Brownlow medal? Uh, so I had a little look before. Ollie Wines is the favourite again at $6. And... I think rightfully so. It's hard to imagine many people taking votes off him. Obviously, we've got Travis Boak, who polls fairly well, but Ollie Wines should be the rightful favourite. Now, Sam Walsh is the interesting one for me. He's paying $7, and as we mentioned before, he'll win a Brownlow at some stage in his career. Whether it's next year, let's see. Probably depends on how well Carlton do, and not too surprising. Now, a couple, I think have a little bit of value and I don't know if you guys agree or not but Jack Steele at $11 now if the Saints can win a few more games that is an absolute bargain and the absolute obvious one for me now I'll definitely be jumping on this Lockie Neal at $13 I get it he's had a really poor year this year but it's so obvious that he was dealing with injuries and that's the reason why he didn't poll well proven performer and they're going to be thereabouts again they're not shutting up shop they're absolutely going to be going for it again next year Brisbane so at $13, I think that is great value. But, of course, as always, gamble responsibly. And he'll be fighting to try and prove to Freo that he's going to go there um, after next season? Or no comment? Yes. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> the other one I really like as a longer-term smoky is Zach Merritt. Now, he didn't poll too well this year, and Darcy Parrish polled a lot better. Yep, yep. No, that's fair. That's fair. I don't mind Parrish even, but... um. No, yeah, sorry, I yeah. wasn't finished there. I just had a little cough and muted myself. But I think next year, <laughs> yeah, I think next year Darcy Parish gets a lot more attention based on him, and we saw that in the last sort of month or six weeks of the season this year. And I think that's going to become even more prominent next year. And I think that benefits Zach Merritt. And I think Essendon are going to win more games next year as well. We can clearly see their trajectory. And I think Zach Merritt is the sort of guy that umpires love so i think zach merritt has a little bit of value there at 34 dollars. okay so we're going to review the prelim finals the first one we're actually going to let sam review this one melbourne versus the geelong old fucks um 
Were you surprised by the result there, Sam? Retirement village. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. The old folks' home. Um, yep. Key highlights: Maxi going five goals, bang, shebang, oh, bang, man. bang. Um, that was unbelievable. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, review the game for us, Sam. What did you take out of it? And what do you think that they're going to take into the grand final? Yeah, well, definitely uh, Melbourne's backline stood up uh, just incredibly against Tom Hawkins, Jeremy Cameron. Jeremy Cameron kicked the first goal of the game, and then you didn't see him for the rest of the game until the last quarter. And he kicked another goal after that, but by then the game was dead and buried. Um, Jack Varney, that was probably one of his best games for the year in the midfield, racked up about 33 disposals. He was just a bull, which he's always been known for. Um, and then, obviously, we can't forget Max Gorn. That was just an absolutely incredible performance. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Him running from the centre, kicking a goal from 50, that was just, oh, that was incredible. And um, also, uh, Fritch, he played all right, but he wasn't as prominent. I think Max Gorn was just an absolute highlight. Um, I think just Geelong would just had no energy. They were slow. Uh, Melbourne were just running all over the top of them. And also there's a good little stat I found out. Um, when Melbourne got flogged in 2011 by Geelong, uh, guess how much clearances points they scored from goals? It was 101 points. And this year, Melbourne did the exact same thing. Goals scored point scored from Clarence was 101. So it was the complete opposite from 10 years ago to this day. So I thought that was a pretty interesting interesting find. That's that's a pretty freaking good stat there, Sam. Um, I'm going to take it to you, Pado. Do you reckon that the Maxi Gorn performance, who, who can you recall? I could only really think of um, Cuda, um, back when Cuda put on a fucking clinic um, for Carlton, any anyone else come to mind from like a big man just absolutely tearing a, a I'm going to say just a prelim, a new asshole, or just any final really? Nothing springs to mind. He was he was unreal, and as that that goal that Sam mentioned from fifty, that was just you look at that and you think Jesus fucking Christ, like you don't see big guys do that, and it was it was I mean there's one prelim, and I, I don't know whether you're baiting me to say it, Dano, and I'm not going to fucking say it, so fuck you. <laughs> but Max Gorn was incredible and full credit to him. But I get the sense he may have it a little bit tougher this weekend, but we'll go into that very soon. Yep, just yep, quickly, yep. Uh, just quickly, the Cats, um, yeah, they're, they're a fucking basket case. They've got to blow it up, I think. Now, I think I get the feeling they're going to try and top up and go again, but at some stage you've just got to concede that you're not going to fucking do it and just properly rebuild they're not just going to keep being able to top up from these bottom four teams and and think they're going to win another flag um or might sound a little bit contradictory there because it looks like richmond are going to try and do that but we've actually got the flags <laughs> to show for it so we're looking to top up like that and the cats don't have that they haven't won a flag for 10 years and they've just got to be real with themselves and just fucking blow it all up just yeah and the other prelim that was uploaded to Pornhub not long after uh, was Port Adelaide versus Western Bulldogs. Uh, Ryan, can we get a quick recap with as, as much imagination as possible of vividry and paint a lovely picture for us as to what the fuck happened there? Oh, the, the imagery is that the, the power got bent over and taken to Browntown. Um, <laughs> the, the, the doggies did an absolute number on them. And look, I'll be completely honest. As soon as I saw the uh, the team selection, as soon as I saw Steph Martin was in and we were playing the two big guys, I didn't think we were going to get touched. I didn't think we were going to win by as much as we did, but I knew having Steph Martin back in the team was going to be absolutely critical. So I was I was thrilled to see him back in. Um, he's, he's so important to our structure because he lets English either swing forward or back, uh, and it's it's massive to have him in. Did you get a, a little bit of an erection over Baz Lenka? Absolutely pulling their pants down. Yeah, look, I've got to eat my words on Bailey Smith a little bit here because I'm I'm not Bailey Smith's biggest fan. Um, I, re I reckon two or three weeks before the finals, he should have been dropped. He should have been out of the side because he was trying to be too flashy with the ball. He was getting caught with it. He was getting his teammates into trouble by... Um, but just, just really ineffective and really uh, dangerous disposals. Um, but... 
look, again, I've, I have to eat my words because the last couple of games that he's played, uh, he's he's showed that when, you know, when it gets big, he, he's the big game player. Yeah, absolutely agree with that one, Ryan. Uh, the best players stand up when it matters. And, I mean, you can't argue with Bailey Smith now. He's an absolute bona fide star. And I think, I think we mentioned it a few weeks ago, Dano. He walked into most midfields in the whole competition. And the fact that he can only get that sort of half-forward role in the dogs just really speaks to the depth that the dogs have built in that midfield. And it's absolutely envious of, of that group, but yeah, unreal. He can still get his 25 touches, but to kick what three and four goals in his, his two final or last two finals, absolutely unreal. And yeah, yeah, as I said, the best players stand up when it matters and, and he's kicking goals from absolutely everywhere and absolute heartthrob. Um, It's, it's getting girls to, to, to watch the footy because he is an absolute envious, absolutely envious of his his looks. Uh, that mullet, the the eyes. I, I mean, knew, I knew the mullet would come up. I, I'm absolutely straight. I can confirm that. But uh, well, if, if if Bailey Smith doesn't tingle tingle anything, I um, mean, everyone straight, gay, bi, whatever, then um, you must be blind. So yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on, boys. Is Bailey Smith? Okay, I'll say this. There's this whole thing about Ryan Reynolds and men on uh, TikTok and whatnot at the moment. Basically, like, every man would turn gay for Ryan Reynolds. Is he the equivalent in the AFL for every man? Like, every man would turn gay for fucking Bailey Smith at the moment? Oh, he's, he's got to be. He's got to be. I mean, yeah, girls absolutely froth Bailey Smith, and, and rightfully so. He's a very good-looking rooster. Yep, and, yep. and can play footy, too. We, we must add. Yeah, he backs it up 100%. Uh, but I like the comment about Steph Martin because uh, it's the exact same thing that I said. Uh, <laughs> so what what it, what do Port Adelaide need to do from here and not just obviously get a medical from a key forward that is a whingy little bitch um, that plays in New South Wales? Yeah, you'll be stoked to that news, Dano. I know how much you love oh, Finlayson. Fuck I, fuck it. I, just, the- I just can't wait till he goes. Yeah, it's a little bit surprising that he was there for a medical, but I don't think it's instead of Dixon. I think they'll both play in that forward line and they've recognised a need there. But I don't think Port Adelaide have to panic too much. They're in a really unique spot where they've got some really elite young kids, but they've got the veterans that will probably move. I mean, Dixon's 34. Is he 30, 33? Something like that. So he doesn't have too long to go. And Bokes, even though he's playing at a really high level still, is into his early 30s. So those guys, and Robbie Gray is the other one who is into his twilight years. So they're in a pretty unique situation where they've got the young guys to replace those guys, except for probably Dixon. I think Georgiades will be a really good player, but completely different player to to Charlie Dixon, who's just a a bulking Tarzan sort of guy. But yeah, I don't think Port Adelaide have to panic too much. I think they'll be fine. Uh, There's rumours of Ken Hinckley moving on, maybe. I think that's just absolutely ludicrous. It's... Not really his fault. I think they'll be fine. Um, Zach Butters is in and out of the team this year through injury, I think. I mean, they can beat him to Gary Ablett Jr. And if he can be half the player Gary Ablett Jr. will be, I mean, they're going to be absolutely fine for the next 10 years. Yeah. They've told um, Peter Laddams that he needs to uh, find a new home pretty much. So I have a feeling that if Finlayson and his partner, obviously she's from South Australia and wants to go back there, I have a feeling there might be a straight swap with Laddams and Finlayson there. That's not really an improvement for them per se, but I could be wrong. But yeah, um, they just need some big game players, honestly. Yeah, um, Robbie Gray is their big game player, but absolutely disappeared in that prelim. So yeah, they've got, I think Butters and Rosie could turn into that. Um, Obviously Fantasia as well has a bit of a, a big game sort of mantra to him. So I don't think they'll be stressed too much. I think, as I said, yeah, Butters and Rosie could move into that sort of big game player. But, yeah, I think they'll be fine. So where do we go? Look at, looking at the grand final, let's just preview that. Do we look more into Melbourne's demolition of Geelong or do we look more into Western Bulldogs' demolition of Port Adelaide to try and determine the favourite? Or do we just fucking throw everything in the air and go, we don't fucking know who's going to win? Now, personally speaking, I I think we look more into the dog smashing Port Adelaide because nobody saw that coming. Now, I think we mentioned it in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Dano, 
against the Giants, the Cats weren't very convincing at all. And everyone thought, oh, Geelong can do it. They'll be fine. They've been there, done that. But they haven't really. I mean, they've made one grand final in the last eight years and they've lost four, four or five prelims in that time. Like, they constantly choke at that level. And sure, Melbourne were outstanding, not taking anything away. I mean, Max Gorn, Clayton Oliver, Petrarch, they were absolutely amazing. But I'm looking more into the dogs going to Adelaide not being able to train all week. So sitting in their hotel rooms, just waiting to be able to have a light training session Saturday morning, playing Saturday night and coming out and destroying Port Adelaide. Personally, I, th- I think you look more into that and, and take more away from that. Now, I am actually using that to, well, we'll go into it later. But yeah, I think personally, we look, I think we look more into the dog smashing Port Adelaide than Melbourne smashing Geelong. Yep, yep. Ryan, you want to have a bit of a word on that one? Yeah, just quickly, um, think back to 2016. It's it's shades of 2016 again. Now, look, I still think Melbourne are the favourites, but 2016, the Dogs did it on the back of a lot of raw emotion. Um, they had to travel and they had to knock off a couple of really good teams along the way. Uh, and they've done it again. They've travelled each week for quarterfinal, semifinal, prelim. Um, and I think the momentum at the moment is is probably shifting a little bit. While Melbourne's probably still the favourites by the bookies, uh, I think there's a few people that are starting to think that, uh, yeah, the, the dogs are, are going to go very, very close. Yeah, uh, don't don't mind that at all. I'm gonna I'm gonna raise something else, and we'll we'll go we'll jump into the um, grand final preview after this. Um, are the Western Bulldogs kind of like the shades of when? Hawthorne won their premiership way too early in 2008. So they, so was 2016 Western Bulldogs just a glimpse of maybe a dynasty that's to come and that they won that early when they never should have? Um, they've Just like in 2008 where fucking Hawthorne played absolutely above themselves and won that one flag, then they went on and got their three-peat after that. Um, are, we, are we now on the verge of closing the door on Richmond and now potentially this grand final being opening the door for maybe a three-peat for the Doggies. Not a bad shout, Dano. Uh, Something I haven't really considered up until you mentioned it, but, I mean, you look at their age demographic, they don't really have anyone that's close to retirement. The only one is Steph Martin, but he was only really a guy to come in and and fill fill a gap until Tim English was ready to take the mantle. Now, you could argue that that is one spot that they probably need to get a little bit better at if they were to go on and challenge for the next couple of flags after this year. Um, but yeah, I think Steph Martin's super important to that, but he's 34 or something. So he can't go on for the next two or three years. So they're going to, I think, have to find someone to help out Tim English. And I don't think the answer is Jordan Sweet. I, I, I just don't think they're ready to be premiership number <coughs> one choice. Rucks, <coughs> but... Laddams, Laddams. <coughs> See, I don't think he's the answer either. I think he's a similar player to Tim English. I mean, obviously, Tim English is a lot taller than him, but Premiership Ruckman, you need someone that is a bit bruising. You look at the past few. I mean, Toby Nankervis is not a superstar, but he'll he'll bruise you and he competes and just does the dirty work. And I think you need that. You don't need someone that's just going to walk around and be a Brody Grundy and just look good getting 25 touches, but not actually really impacting the game that much. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But, but in saying that, a ruckman like that is pretty easy to find. And I look at someone like a Max Lynch who is stuck behind Brody Grundy at Collingwood, and I think he could be that sort of ruckman. And there's plenty of plenty of uh, circumstances around the league where there's a, a, a second or third ruck just struggling in the twos and looking for an opportunity. And, and it, they come pretty cheap if you get them from the mm. VFL. So I think it's an easy position to top up uh they've got the midfield which is where it all starts from and they've got that midfield group for at least another five or six years uh you actually actually made me just realize brisbane are losing and it's told um big archie to explore his options so maybe the western bulldogs might go to that but he's he's getting he's got what 29 or something like that as well so get a couple of good years out of him yeah, but that's all you need. You don't need to throw throw 800k at someone to to be a superstar. You just need someone like that to help out Tim English. And as Ryan mentioned before, let Tim English go forward or, or back or wherever is really needed and use those athletic traits that he's got. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a perfect acquisition for the doggies. Anyway, we'll go into the grand final preview. So, 
let, let's go through this year, this year. We'll go through this year, Pato. So when was the first time that they met this year? Was it round 11? And the Demons won that one from memory? Yes. Yeah, round 11. D's won by 28 points. And I think people will look a little bit too much into this game. It was Gorn versus Jordan Sweet as the number one ruck. Now, Tim English did play, but he played a little bit more forward. And the D's midfield just fielders just dominated. So I think people will look a little bit too much into that personally. Uh, Bailey Fritch kicked a few goals um, and Dunkley was obviously out with that shoulder. So the dogs were a little bit undermanned. And I think, yeah, the D's were great that, that game, but I think people will look a little bit too much into that. Then you go to round 19. The kind of flipped there, Pato. Dogs by 20. Um, I can't remember if Stefan Martin actually played that game or not. Um, no, no, Steph Martin was still out at that stage. He missed a, yeah. a huge chunk of, of footy, but the midfield battle, the dogs won. And interestingly enough, I think Viney was just off that suspension. So he was coming back, but didn't play a lot of midfield. So I think he's someone that plays a huge trump card in this weekend's game. He was massive in the prelim. And I think he does hold a big key to that midfield battle. And whether he tags or whether he goes head to head with someone and, and wins his own footy, but I think he plays a really big part I mean, the whole midfield battle will, but it's going to be who can can get that momentum from the middle. Yep, yep. Anyway, we got so we got the midfield battle. We've got um, pretty much Steph Martin hopefully playing against Gorn, and then it'll be English floats and does whatever the fuck he wants up forward. He's actually a really good set shot. Lukey Jackson, a big one as well. Um, he's absolutely fucking come into his own this year. Liver, Bont, those guys, McRae, fucking, and then you've got your Petrarchas, your Olivers, your Vineys. Who who really will step up? I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Ryan first because I think I know what his answer is gonna be. Who who will step up um, for the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs' main concern from Demons players? Uh well, you, you guys have probably checked plenty into this anyway, but um Whenever Libba plays well, the doggies normally win. When when he gets sort of 17 or 18 touches and he's getting those clearances, they're generally pretty dangerous. So, I mean, he's, he's done it before. Um, but I think he's probably one of the two or three most important players that we're going to have in that midfield set. You know, Trelaw, I guess, can probably rotate a little bit forward and Bontempelli will probably go forward every little, you know, couple of minutes here and there. Um but it's up to Libba to do what he does best and get down and dirty uh, and be on the bottom of those packs. So nothing on Bailey um, Smithers, bloody Vazlenka at all. Oh, even a Bailey Dale, maybe. Nothing about them. Caleb Daniel. Oh, oh look, oh, you, you know I love Caleb Daniel. Um, <laughs> he's he's awesome. The way that he uses the ball and his footy smarts, I think they're, they're up there with the very best. Um Look, I guess as a youngster, yeah, Bailey Smith, if he if he takes that that next step, and again, if he can go two or three goals in a grand final, that's definitely going to go a long way. Um, look, I'd I'd even love to see uh, Mitchie Hannon have a blinder. I'd love to see him sneak two or three go- uh, two or three goals against his old club. I think that'd be brilliant. We'll go to Sam now. Sam, who who do you think Melbourne need to play well in order to win, and who is your biggest concern from the Western Bulldogs, basically? Yeah, well, I think um, Clayton Oliver, definitely, uh, when he starts kicking goals as well as um, just dominating from the midfield, that's when I think our team really rallies, as well as Max Gorn. Uh, as you could tell, everyone, all the Demons players, just everyone lifted that bit more again after seeing Max Gorn kicking those goals. Everyone just got so excited. And also, I think uh, Petrarca, this is his day. He's going to be an absolute... Ball, I think so. Everyone's going to have to really keep a lookout for him. I mean, it's just it's hard to pick who's going to be the most pivotal because this is most of Melbourne. This is their first grand final ever, so it's hard to see who's going to really step up the most. I think everyone is just going to be on their absolute ball game. Um, it's it's so hard to pick because there's so many A-list players in Melbourne's team this year because they've all had I think their career best years, and it's just going to be too hard to pick. I think everyone's going to be Everyone's going to be having a pivotal moment in the uh, in the game, I reckon. Biggest concern from the Western Bulldogs? Uh, I think um, you definitely have to look out for McRae because he just racks it up constantly. Um, so it could be a tag on him or 
definitely Bontempelli. Um, uh, Libba, like, uh, I don't know. It's too hard to say. <laughs> There's just so many players. It's just, it's, a, it's just a mouth-watering contest. There's so many good matchups. It's just, I haven't, well, I haven't anticipated a grand final like this in a long time. Now, I think, I think Pato is probably going to agree with this one that the biggest matchup on the ground is going to be Martin versus Gorn. Basically, Maxi Gorn's openly said that Steph Martin's actually the hardest ruck that he's ever had to play on, and that includes ruckmen like Nick Nat Nui. So the hardest and the toughest that he's had to play on. And throughout the season, if you guys have been listening to my podcast, this podcast, Pato and I podcast, you'll know that we've openly said that Stefan Martin is probably, I, I think you can. it's safe to agree, Pato, that he's the number one negating ruck in the AFL. It's just so happens that he hasn't been able to play that much this year due to being an old fuck. Yeah, that's why we mentioned way at the start of the final series before that that Bombers game, that Steph Martin is a really important player to the Dogs being successful. And we saw that when they were losing games, it was through the middle where they really got dominated because of the ruck battle. And obviously the Dogs have the best midfield in the comp. I don't think that's even a dispute. And Melbourne are probably the second best in the comp. So it's such an important battle in that midfield. And it starts with the rucks and... Yeah, and Max Gorn has openly said that Steph Martin is the hardest guy to play against. So it's a very important battle, and I think it it is slightly in favour of the Dogs if Steph Martin does play. Now, there's no indication that he won't play, um, even if he's not 100%. uh, He may not play next year. So he'll he'll play um, for sure, and yeah, super important battle. Yeah, I just touched on a point there regarding that. I think also... uh... Luke Jackson up in the ruck, which gives Max Gorn the advantage of staying down back in the forward line, which you could see last weekend, which no one could stop Gorney from taking those marks. And so I think that gives us a little advantage there where Gorn has that much trust in Jackson to go up into the ruck to give Gorn the advantage to head down forward and pluck a few goals. Yeah, absolutely agree on that one, Sam. Now, Another player I actually think hold a hu- holds a huge key, and it's not one of the, the star players, but Josh Shackey actually has a really important role to play. Now, whether he plays on Stephen May or whether he plays on Jake Lieber will, will remain to be seen, obviously, but he will play a negating forward role on one of those two guys, and it's a really important thing there. I'm sorry. This is, this is it's getting eerily similar to 2016 when... Like Shaki was what a number two draft pick, and Tom Boyd was number one. Imagine if fuck it, he just goes out there and kicks the the real sealer like fucking Tom Boyd did. Be hectic. Anyway, we're gonna finish off with our while my dog's barking at me and being a little bitch. Um, we're gonna go winner margin and Norm Smith medal. Um, but Ryan, you want to say something first? Uh, no, no. I was just gonna I was just gonna give my tip. The, the wife needs me, so I got I got to run shortly. <laughs> Okay, well, the wife's calling. So, Ryan, go your winner, Margin, and Norm Smith medal. Uh, winner, I've got to say the Bulldogs. We've got to go with the heart, not the head. Uh, margin, doggies by nine points, Norm Smith. Uh, who else? The Bond. Yep, safe bet anyway. You better go with your uh, missus there, Ryan, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. So, Sammy, Sammy, you're up next. Winner, Margin, yeah. Norm Smith. Ooh, well, obviously, uh, Melbourne. Uh, I think it could be a close game. Uh, I'm going to go 15 points. And Norm Smith, uh, Oliver didn't win the Brownlow, so he's got to win the Norm. Yep, yep. Fair, 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 fair. Um, Pato, who are you going? Winner, margin, and Norm Smith. Now, I think the Dogs will win, and I'll quickly explain why. Now, the Ds will have played one game in three weeks leading into this game, and I think that's going to hurt their momentum a little bit and the dogs have obviously had the week off now but played continuously before that so i i think that's going to be the difference i think it's going to be a super close game i think it, i'm going to say eight points to the dogs and i think it'll it'll take a late goal to seal that from bailey smith and i think that might be enough to confirm the winner of the norm smith so i'm going to go dogs by eight points and i'm going to go bailey smith for the norm smith now just quickly i want to mention as always gamble responsibly but jack mccray provides some really good value at eleven dollars 
Bayless Smith at $15 and a couple of outsider smokies that I like. Caleb Daniel at $26. Now he had 34 touches and a goal against the D's in round 19 in that win. And Cody Waitman looms as a huge X-factor player. And if he can kick three, four, even five goals out of nowhere, coming off a couple of weeks off, could be a, sm- a slight smoky at $51. But I really like McRae and Bailey Smith at that price. Yeah, I'm going to go... I, I've been humming and harring on who I think is going to win quite some time. I reckon the margin is going to be one point. And the reason why I'm going to say one point is way back in junior footy days, my old man coached Max Gorn. And back then, it was Lang Warren versus Edith Val Aspendale. They should have won the grand final and they lost by a point through someone's dumb decision on my dad's team. And it wasn't Max's, by the way. So I'm going to say <laughs> the reverse is going to happen. I think Melbourne's going to win by one point. Maxi finally gets gets his premiership that he was fucking didn't get to have in juniors. <laughs> He's going to get it in the AFL, which is even better. Um, and I and it means that Adam Trelaw is going to be like pretty much Nathan Buckley, and that he's just never going to win a flag. Um, but then I, th- I do think that the Bulldogs will start a dynasty after this anyway. Um, Norm Smith Medal is a hard one, but I I can't go past someone. Like, I have a feeling. They're, they're very more defensively minded and it will not surprise me if the Norm Smith goes to someone like a Lever or a May. I'm going to say Stephen May, but it won't surprise me if Jake Lever ends up pulling it off and then just intercept marking everything that the dogs pepper in. I feel, I feel like, and they'll get it. They'll get involved with score involvements too. They'll start scoring chains from the back half because of one of those two. So I'm going to go Melbourne one point, Norm Smith, I'll say May, but it could be Lever. And it's going to be a Melbourne victory, yeah. Anyway, that's all we got time for, boys. Ryan's already left. So thank you, Sam, for joining us. No worries, boys. Anytime. Yep, and we're already running out of time anyway. So, <laughs> Pato, <laughs> thanks for the year, mate. And we'll we'll get hit the ground running um, in 2022 in the preseason for all the, everyone's Supercoach news. So thanks for the year, man. No problem, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, sharing it with you. It's been awesome. Just quickly, I, I think this will be a grand final for the ages and none of that boring shit of Richmond winning by a, a bunch of points. I think it's going to be an absolute ripper of a game. Whether the Dogs win or whether the Ds win, two of the best midfielders going, two of the best midfields in the competition going against each other. They're not super defensive teams. I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. And if you have any friends, partners, whatever that that don't like footy getting to watch this game, I think it's going to be an absolute fucking perler. Yeah, same, same. Anyway, from us here at the Supercoach Co-Captains, I'm Dano. And I'm Pato. And this is us signing... The fuck off. For the last time in 2021. Boo, yeah, motherfuckers.